Welcome, foolish mortals, to Awful Neutral. Last time on Awful Neutral, the tales of the rebooted ones, the rebutitions found themselves awakening on the plane of Persepolis, each of them having spent the night pampered to their own personal specifications. Upon awakening, they found a message delivered to them by way of Turbo Hamster via TubeWorks. Each adventurer had extremely awesome upgraded equipment awaiting them. After some accelerated attunement to their kick-ass items, they broke fast together after a pipe-powered prayer sesh. The adventurers were thrown to the wolves for some training. Except for these wolves weren't wolves at all. They were a bunch of snakes. Like piles and piles of snakes, like with the help of their glorious new gear, these badasses started to kick buttless snakes. They kicked their butts so hard they grew butts to kick. But then an overconfident Rourke stayed too close to these piles of snakes and got his butt kicked. After receiving a critical hit from the snake pile, Rourke went all the way down to the ground. Will Rourke's party be able to heal him in time? Is his fate sealed after just being <laughs> saved from death? Find out now on Awful Reboot. Welcome back to Awful Neutral, folks. Joining us as always, we have Dave Callens as... Which one is this? I'm sorry. Rourke. Okay. You're Rourke. You're Rourke. <laughs> Sorry, I honestly couldn't remember which one I was supposed to do. We're keeping this. This is part of it. <laughs> Everybody needs to know what you did. <laughs> so that uh, was I'm Dave Aristotle the... Jones. Thank you very much. No, <laughs> you're not Aristotle Jones. I'm Rock. See, the Arakaka fighter. We have Jesse Egan as Flip Dimpleton. Look to the skies. <laughs> Uh, no, sorry. Uh, bada Bingsley over here. We have. <laughs> we have. We're going to have a mental breakdown. It's good. It'll, we're we're going to release all of this. We Is have. This what Dam- happens to all DMs in the end. We have Damien Mercado as. Grizz not a Barrington, eh? You I'm just kidding. Son I'm, of a bitch. I'm Caradactyl, y'all. Caradactyl. I steal shit. <laughs> she steals shit like my sanity. And hearts. God damn it. <laughs> you son of a bitch, Caradactyl. Plus theft. 20 slot of hand. And finally, our last deviant, Caleb Cleveland as... Pyth. <laughs> Is that it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Perfect. I love it. I love it. And, of course, my name is Clint Beischer, and I will be your awful dungeon nanny for this episode. Let's jump right back into it. Right into the thick of combat. Pyth, it is your turn. You see your Rourke friend fall to the ground in amongst these snakes. You're almost there. Um, I'll say that you only need to use your movement to get all the way up into the pile to reach yep. York. 
Um, yes. So yeah, he stomps the rest of the way up there. He yeah, he summons the power of Shantea's uh, positive will into um, his friend Rourke's wounds, allowing them to knit. Puts all five, all five of his uh, lay on hands, ah. and then he strikes a defensive action to try and uh, or oppose rather to try uh, getting ready to. Uh, to face the onslaught of these lowly serpents, these uh, these lowly limbless <laughs> serpents. Look at you! You have no arms or legs. What are you even doing? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Rourke pops up to five hit points now. All right. He is back to consciousness. He won't have to make any death saving throws. He is alive and not so well, but. He technically has half his normal health points, so he's not doing too bad. Damn, thought I was going to get that sword. <laughs> and we are left with Pyth standing over Rourke, defending him against potential attacks from these poisonous snakes. Which brings us to back to Bada Bingsley. Okay, I'm flying. I'm playing my sax. I see him go down. I want to cast Bardic Inspiration. Um... <laughs> It'll be my third charge from a sax, but I got other ways. So I'm gonna, uh, yeah, I'm gonna cast that to give him some uh, some temporary yes. hit points. Blow, how's that work out for you? Seventeen, baby. Seventeen. It's plus five, so it's twenty-three. I want to flavor it a little bit. Um, so I'm going to play the song Who Can It Be Now by Business As Usual from 1981 on the saxophone. <laughs> Who can it be now? <laughs> I assume that's how the saxophone part went. I don't remember how that went. But. That's great. Na, 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 na. <laughs> yeah, just a little music trivia. That's why it's nice being a bard, really, is that I get to uh, look these songs up. Although it is Men at Work. Oh. Yeah, I thought that's who did that. I thought it was Men at Work. <laughs> uh... Music trivia aside, Jesse, remember that you are able to place that bardic inspiration on one more ally. Oh, that's right. Okay. Rourke actually, uh, he, he's aware that Jesse, that, that Bada Bingsley gets to do another target. And so Rourke, bloodied and beaten but revived, he points at the snake he's fighting and says, Hey, give it to him. <laughs> I cast it on Pyth to give him temporary hit points. Not bad. Enjoy that, my friend. Who can it be now? It's your buddy Bada Bingsley with some extra temporary hit points. That's who it could be now. Who can it be now? I'm picturing uh, Bada Bingsley standing up on a pedestal saying, and you get some hit points, and you get some hit points. Everybody gets some hit points. I'm flying. I'm in midair with the saxophone. <laughs> doling out temporary HPs. There are so many incredible fan art moments in this. <laughs> I still imagine him to be the greasy sax guy from <laughs> I love uh, we got a flying minotaur on a sax dealing out temporary hit points. We've got a snake paladin in a pile of snakes raising his bird friend and we've got a thick asimar in the back ready to <laughs> dole out justice with her Silenced <laughs> death dealer. Coincidentally enough, also a minute work album cover is what you just described. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bada, that was your bonus action. You still have an action. I see all these snakes coming out of these holes. It reminds me of Raiders of the Lost Ark in here now. It's just super <laughs> just extra too snaky for my liking. Uh, from my vantage point in the sky, um, I, 
I realized that uh, three of these piles of snakes seem to be converging in one area, so I'm gonna try out my old wand of fireballs and cast that to try to get all three piles of snakes. Oh, you guys, by the way, real quick, um, I mean, it's kind of late for this. Obviously, we resorted to combat, but instead of fighting the snakes, what if we just called the snake fire marshal? Because as Jesse pointed out, there's way too many snakes in this area. They could just come and shut it down. <laughs> oh, wait, somebody chained this emergency exit? Oh, man, this is going to be some fun. That's a good point, Dave. All right, 22 for uh, Fireball. 150-foot range. <laughs> Casting a sweet 22 HP Fireball on them. Too many motherfucking snakes in this motherfucking training room. <laughs> <laughs> Samuel Jackson. <laughs> So Bada Bingsley flying high, way higher than Rourke ever has or ever will feel comfortable flying. <laughs> By choice, mind you. <laughs> Sends off a bardic inspiration at the fighter and the paladin in the snakes. Then he grabs his new wand of fireballs and sends off a big ball of fire at these three piles of snakes. Uh, it's from the wand instead of from his saxophone, so they have a easier chance of avoiding the full damage. I have to meet a dexterity 15. Pile one succeeds. Ooh. Pile two succeeds. Wow. And pile three <laughs> succeeds. But they all take half damage still. Did those three piles of snakes do backflips? That was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> those are some agile piles of snakes. <laughs> So they all do take damage, though. So that's a total of uh, 33 damage that you dealt out all at once. Oh, take that, you agile snakes, yeah. Each of these smaller piles is almost instantly reduced to half their uh, starting size. Quick question. I'm reading, on the, is Jesse's fireball, is that what this is describing? It says, a tiny ball of bat guano and sulfur. <laughs> So uh, <laughs> that is when you're using spell components to cast spells with, like as a wizard may do. That's what they yeah. would need to splat together to to gather their fireball together. They would use that to cast their fireball with. Yep. That's amazing. I love it. <laughs> Can you imagine being in battle? That's hilarious. Like, the orc approaches you. He pulls out his vorpal scimitar to cut your head out. What do you do? I grabbed my bat guano and sulfur. It's <laughs> fantastic. I love it. Oh, my God. Wow. Well, that's what I do, I guess. Bada Bingsley sends off this fireball. They deftly maneuver with their slithery bodies and avoid full damage, but they take damage nevertheless. They're greatly impacted by this fireball. Go ahead, Caradactyl. What you gonna do? She is going to remain silent because she's... Just remember that she has to be stealthy. So good. Uh, she is going <laughs> to shoot with her silent death dealer, her boomstick. It's actually a boomless stick. <laughs> and she rolled a 24 on attack, and she her damage is also 24 piercing damage with a 1 on sneak damage, which she would get because uh, she has two party members within 5 feet of the target. Great job. That is fantastic. This huge silent blast of uh, snake guts gets splattered out of this pile. And at this point, they are reduced in size. There is essentially one and a half piles of snakes in this pile of snakes left. <laughs> but we don't measure them in pile of snakes. We measure them in uh, yards of geese. <laughs> a murder of snakes. <laughs> All right, uh, Dave. Rourke there is laying on the ground after being bit near to death by these, these venomous snakes. As buffed up as you are, you are still vulnerable. 
What you gonna do, Rourke? Oh, on the ground like a common peasant. I gotta get out of here. I'm gonna uh, teleport. Uh, what's my range on crossbow? 30 feet? Um, you could make attacks. You could stand up with half your movement, make an attack, and then teleport away. So you're saying if I stay laying on the ground, I can do more attacks. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and you are totally welcome to do that. Okay. Um, no, I'm going to teleport to a safer distance and use my crossbow. Okay. Is there something like I can teleport behind that gives me cover and still shoot or not really? Well, yeah, you could uh, teleport all the way into this room here uh, on the left. Teleport to another room. See you guys later. Yeah, really. <laughs> um, and then shoot from inside of it. Okay. He can hit them from in there, huh? From around the corner. So yeah, Rourke is going to teleport to the safety of a nearby room where he's going to get a little bit of cover uh, and basically shoot from around the corner with his crossbow. Uh, and, and just as he teleports, hey, it's time to shed some of these skins. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Genius whoever came up with that. Wow. <laughs> Offensive. <laughs> because you teleported away, the snakes are not able to make any attacks of opportunity at you because you... Uh, instantly blipped away rather than taking movement away from them. My anaconda don't want none. I'm out of here. Nice. And with the crossbow, rolled an 18. You rolled an 18 on your hand crossbow attack and was able to do 10 piercing damage to the group of snakes. Nice. Stupid snakes. I'm still up in the air, right? I'm still flying around playing the saxophone? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the way I like it. Am I still, can I still be greasy like the guy from Lost Boy? <laughs> <laughs> I just want to uh, just say in between when the listeners aren't listening, I'm re-glistening myself <laughs> so that I can remain like the Lost Boys saxophone player. Hey, if we're listening, then you're glistening. <laughs> wow, his abs pop under all that grease. <laughs> That's good. Dave, you want to take a stab at my abs? Wow, I'm really taking a shine to this guy. Yes. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Rourke just hears boo from the distance. <laughs> boo! <laughs> oh, yeah. That's the listener. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, singular, one listener. <laughs> now, now, Clint, just so you know, just for a little flavor, um, even though it was just one shot with a crossbow, he was doing it like Mel Gibson in Lethal Weapon was rolling on the ground and shooting. Absolutely. Mid-roll, this athletic Aarakocra <laughs> just... Jumps into this portal from a prone position, rolls and fires mid-roll at this group of snakes and blasts them right in their mugs for a good 10 piercing damage. Very fantastic show. Rourke, you feel amazing. You are just completely kicking butt. You're loving this experience. I did take one point of damage twisting my arm and patting myself on the back, though. <laughs> you look a lot more like Nick Frost from Hot Fuzz. <laughs> <laughs> it is now the snake's turn, and that includes all nine piles of them. Nine piles of snakes. This is like nine piles too many. Jesse, I feel like that should be the name of your next comedy album. <laughs> nine piles of snakes. <laughs> <laughs> How about, can we do boots and nine piles of snakes? An Andrew Dice Clay tribute album. <laughs> we got nine piles of snakes over here. Okay, sorry. Pythe took two turns stomping his way 
into position, trying to vibrate the ground and grab all of the snake's attention. He has drawn the ire of these piles of snakes. Pyth is like, quick, run like a coward. Oh, good, you already done that. <laughs> and these uh, swarms of snakes will start making attacks on you. Uh, now, the pile that is around you right now, once the equivalent of eight bunches of snakes is down to, you know, one and a half a snakes, only slightly bigger. <laughs> <laughs> this is a snake off. Battle of the snakes. All of these poisonous little ones coming after the Yanti. Nice. Don't tread on them, guys. Stay away. Don't tread on them. <laughs> so here we go. Bring it on, worm stack. Six piles of snakes other than the one pile that was already there surrounds Pyth. Check out the Pied Piper over here. Pyth Piper. <laughs> it's really impressive the way they can all, each pile can coordinate their attacks all at once. <laughs> These are some crazy, like, this is not a natural formation. This is some wizard magic that has them in a knot. Oh. Plus, they didn't spend three years at Snake College for nothing. This is some hive mind snake magic here. We don't know quite what's going on, but this is not a normal occurrence. Uh, that's for sure. And now he's taken two attacks from the main pile. And let's just roll in these other six. So that would be a seven, miss. 22, miss. 15, miss. 13, miss. 23, hits. 10, misses. 25 hits, and then a 13. So out of all that, uh, we've got, what is it? One, two, three, four, four, six, eight attacks, two of them hit. He's like standing in the middle of a snake hurricane and they're just like bouncing off. <laughs> kapling, 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 kapling. Look, looks like they can't bite through metal. <laughs> uh, this isn't metal, this is wicker and it is yeah. blessed by divine powers. It looks pretty freaking metal from where I'm standing. Oh, I see what you went there. I approve. Well, I, I had to salvage what I said. You guys know those uh, the money tornado where someone stands in a thing and all these dollar bills blow around him? That's like him, but it's snakes right now. <laughs> yes, I tried to grab as many as I can. <laughs> oh, you missed. Try again. This complete masterwork, Joanne's craft, <laughs> freaking armor is just amazingly. Almost every bite that would hit Pyth, little wicker tendrils flick out and knock away snakes. This is just a living, breathing suit of armor. This is a blessed item from your god, and it is protecting you like crazy. Nevertheless, a couple hits are still able to make it through. Ow. And Ow. we see, <laughs> let's see, roll this damage here. Oh, 14 poison, 10 poison, oh dear. Pyth is immune to poison damage, so all of this massive poison damage, which is the majority of the damage that would go to him, is completely negated. Otherwise, 18 points of piercing damage, which with his amazing armor, he is actually also resistant to. So out of a possible 43 damage, yeah. he takes nine. This feels amazing to Pyth. He is the protector he's always wanted to be. <laughs> That didn't feel good, but still could have been a damn sight worse. <laughs> Can't tell where one snake ends and the other begins. This is what this is what we call uh, a snake king, where it's all <laughs> it's just snakes all tied together in a in a thing. You ever see uh, the Nutcracker? It's like that. <laughs> <laughs> so 
with all of those attacks, you feel very capable. It is now your turn. And now that you're in position, you can activate your armor and become immune to that piercing damage. All right. Uh, I haven't really thought about what I do to activate my armor. I use an action. Um, let me see. I'm going to uh, slam my knuckles together on both my hands and uh, say, Wicca this! Or some, uh, no, that's not, that's, a, that's terrible. Um, they call me John Wicker. Wicker? I nearly killed her. Oh, stop that. Uh, I need to think of uh, a good arts and crafts cry of, of battle. Um, Shantia, oh, seed weaver, I believe you can get me through the night. And then I I clash my knuckles together, and then uh, there's like a, a glow that emanates from my armor, and I feel friggin' bulletproof. All right, uh, first of all, I want you to, on your character sheet, click Inspiration. Oh. That's a DM-awarded inspiration. You have an advantage on a roll. I loved oh. that so much. Oh, all right. Yeah. Seed Weaver. That's, that's Shantia right there all over. Shantia is, is his god. Is that, the, is that the deal? That's right. Correct. You know what? I'm going to hold my ground and simply shout uh, as sort of like, I, I can do dialogue as a free action, right? Oh, absolutely. You guys can do dialogue uh, like all the time. Concentrate your fire on this larger knot of worms. I say gesturing my hammer towards the big uh, pile of snakes, the, the greater pile. Uh, and uh, and say, ignore these lesser uh, serpents. I shall deal with them. And that's all, that's all I'm going to do. Very good. Pyth activates his deity's grace upon him and becomes invulnerable to any type of damage that these snakes can dish out upon him. He is like this protective Goliath right now. He feels amazing. Which brings us to Bada Bingsley, flying high in the air. Flying high. Saxophone blazing. <laughs> throwing out bardic inspirations left and right. Kicking out the jams. And tossing yeah. fireballs <laughs> as well. Just really kicking out the jams. You're sort of just jamming. Just jamming in, in midair. Um, so I wanted to try this thing um, called Saxy Vicious mockery. Um, (laughs) It's a cantrip that I can cast at will, I I assume, from my uh, saxophone here. Absolutely, yes. Your magical saxophone is just an amazing work of art. It has more abilities than you can dream, as well as all the other ones we've gone over. Your vicious mockery is increased in damage potential by a significant amount for your level. So does that mean when he does an insult from the saxophone, he's doing it like Peter Frampton, but like <laughs> it's a wicked roast burn and it's from a saxophone? Well, let's find out. <laughs> it says it says <laughs> it says you unleash a string of insults laced with subtle enchantments at a creature you can see within range. Um, so yeah, I mean, I would like to uh, you know, you know how uh, earlier when you were saying uh, saxophone yeah. into it, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> instead of blowing through it, you can talk into it and it will like project your auto-tuned voice at these guys as an auto-tuned insult machine. Oh, awesome! So yeah, I'm gonna blast. Uh, so I'm gonna blast a like a roast joke at that big pile because he wants us to okay. attack <laughs> just the big pile for now, right? 
Yeah. But your saxophone does the work. You just you just sort of say saxophone. Saxophone. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so I'm gonna blast my my sax my vicious mockery uh, at the snakes, and I guess I'm just gonna hit him with like a with like a, a roast joke. So I'll just be like, uh, "Why did the snake's wife file for divorce? He had a reptile dysfunction." Oh, and then I <laughs> hit him with like a real heavy lick off that sax, you know, or however they sound. That's no, let's take a moment and, get, and slow clap what Jesse just did. <laughs> oh, I had to Google that. Unleash, um, unleash that uh, spell attack. Did that do anything? Yes. Uh, we see that it is a wisdom save DC 17 that these snakes must avoid or take 12 psychic damage. 12 psychic damage. From a mere cantrip of a level one. That's significant damage oh yeah i mean that would kill me i can only have 10 hit points so 12 is i'm i'm digging that so i, I guess i blast him with that roast joke and how's that pile of snakes respond to being told they have a reptile dysfunction um despite the language barrier <laughs> and no real ears the saxophone of crushing it uh vibrates these insults into the ground and almost translates it to these snakes. This saxophone is incredible. Normally a species needs to have a similar language for this to work, but no, you're able to make this work in uh, the strangest of circumstances. And this once massive pile of snakes is now reduced to the size of all of the other ones. We're left with seven now piles of similarly sized snake mouths. That made no sense. I'll fix that. <laughs> no, 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 no! Don't you dare! Which would be equivalent to three large piles of snake. <laughs> They've been reduced to one Volvo of snakes. <laughs> is it a lot of rocks worth, or is it like pebbles now of snakes? You'll have to do the math afterwards. Okay. I'll give you the conversion table, and we should make sure to uh, explain to the listeners the exact uh, ratios. I'm going to say it's Not like. Like nine nugs of snakes? Nugs! Snake nugs. Yeah. Uh, this massive pile of snakes is reduced in health by a significant amount for such a silly attack. A bunch of snake heads just pop. They also snapped and crackled. With psychic energy damaging their core values and understandings of what it is to be a snake. That's right, he called your leader flashy. Oh, my lord. <laughs> they don't know what to do with this. They're not even quite sure what it means, but they know it's supposed to hurt their feelings, and it really does. And not just their feelings, but their bodily selves. How does uh, how does Jeff Ross feel about the whole, the, that particular... Oh, another comedian joke. <laughs> Roast joke. No, okay, go ahead. I, I had to Google it. It's not. I didn't write it. Anyway. I'll, I'll work on my Jeff Ross impression in order to... Uh, Respond to your roast from now on. I'm, I'm sorry I'm failing you as a DM. Yeah. I'll work on my Jeff Ross for next time. <laughs> this brings us to uh, Caradactyl. Now, Kara, ever since you had that near-death experience... The one with the pit vein? Yes. Oh, yeah, I remember. Uh, ever since then, you've kind of... You haven't said anything, but you've kind of been having, like, weird, vague flashes that seem to give you information about stuff that you shouldn't know. Wow, they don't tell you this about menopause. <laughs> and then with this further heightened 
connection to this new weapon of yours, as well as all of this extreme combat, a degree of which you've never experienced in your life. It's just unlocking these these thoughts and feelings and memories, almost as if some past lives are reaching out to you to empower you for your future. You're like suddenly leveled up before this battle's over as if you're, you're like getting early access to your experience. Your hit points don't go up, but you have access to some new rogue abilities that you didn't have before. You're effectively level three right now. Oh my goodness. I, I know so much. I, I'm such a better rogue. I also know not to get bangs. A lot of lessons learned just came to me all right now. <laughs> uh, it is your turn. Um, you have like this vague connection with your abilities. Go ahead and just test out your, your new rogue self. All right, well, let's see how these new powers work. Um, I'm going to start off by using my cunning action, which I have now because I am level three, to roll for stealth. So uh, there's a pillar right behind me. All right. Kara rolled an 18. A stealth roll of 18. You are able to disappear into the shadows. And not just that, since these snakes uh, feel through vibration, you are the wind you're almost hovering off the ground a, a millimeter that you're making no impact on your surroundings. I'm flying like Rourke. <laughs> uh, and then I am going to give up and do a nosedive into a pile of snakes. <laughs> uh, I'm just going to do an attack out from the shadows. I'm going to just aim my silence death dealer, my boomstick, if you will. I take aim at the leader snake. Um, take this, you flaccid motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> It's a good insult. Kara rolled a 23. She is able to roll a 23 because she had advantage, and she is easily able to land a significant blow on the once main pile of snakes, dealing a total of 27 damage. It is almost ended entirely. I don't, I'd like to take credit, but it's really just this death stick. I, I, this is amazing. This makes me like Chud has a magical saxophone that allows him to look sexy and oily. And who's Chud? Oh, <laughs> Bot eventually over here has a saxophone. He makes a note of that as a good name for a future child, perhaps. I just had an idea about who my son should be called. <laughs> Chud, such a nice name. Hmm, really rolls off the tongue. I like the idea that. The name Chud keeps coming to him, and then each time it comes to him again, it's as if it's the first time he's ever thought about <laughs> yeah. it. Well, he's really chewing it over. Yeah. So I don't know why I called you that. You just kind of look like a Chud. You know what I mean? Now, Chud, is that because I'm I'm a cowman and we chew cud? Oh, no, that was just a slip of the tongue. I didn't mean anything by it, Bada. Sorry about that. I might have to write a new song about this. <laughs> I got Chud on my mind. He's got Chud. All right, enough of this tomfoolery. <laughs> this battle seems to be speeding up. Not really, not really. <laughs> is it speeding up? <laughs> Kara Dactyl is connected with some ancient knowledge of past lives. She's just like oh, no. getting memories from the future and reliving stuff from the past and her abilities are connecting with her. She just takes a huge chunk out of these boys. And that leads us to Rourke, who is also a bit in the shadows. 
What are you going to do? Um, so it's the main pile of snakes. It has been reduced. What are we, where are we at here? It is almost nothing at this point. But uh, Pythe said that's what we should focus on, right? It's pretty weak at this point. So I'm going to line up my crossbow shot one more time. Uh, I'm going to say, uh, oh, I think these guys are about to be history. Boom. Yeah, nice. Pause for laughter. <laughs> Take that, you slithering bastards. Attack. 16. 16 uh, hits them right true. Right in the eyeball. Right in the eyeball. Really what happens is this small amount of snakes, around eight snakes left, if we want to put a number on it, kind of are slithering around and work, finds the point that his crossbow bolt will pierce and kill every single one of those last little eight snakes. And the crossbow bolt pierces into a training dummy and there's a shish kebab of steaks left standing there. <laughs> Love it. The once imposing, intimidating pile of snakes that took him down to the ground, he just finished in entirety. Wow. That's called a hiss kebab. Ooh, there it is. Ouch. Painful. Where are those crickets? <laughs> no, that was beautiful magic. Uh, don't let anyone tell you anything different. That is fantastic. So this pile's gone. And that was it, right? I don't have any other actions to do. Um, yes, that was only your action. You still have your bonus action and movement. What's your bonus action? It'd be two weapon fighting, which I don't have right now because I'm on the crossbow, or second wind. Yeah, I'll do second wind. Is that more hit points? Yeah. Okay, I'm going to do my bonus action of uh, recovering 1d10 plus 1 of hit points. Oh, I got 1. Oh. Plus? Plus 1. <laughs> Oh, it's not the kind of rest I was hoping for, you know what I'm saying? After demolishing this once imposing batch of snakes with a beautiful hiss kebab as we've known it. <laughs> oh, good grief. Uh, what does it look like as work is uh, getting that second win? I was just about to say, yeah, I was just about to say my, my short rest recover hit points um, is the, the one-legged flamingo stance. I kind of... Hold my arms out to the side. It's almost like the Karate Kid, his his crane kick pose. What the? Hold my arms out. Oh my one God. leg drawn up, uh, eyes closed. What the hell is that bird doing? Rourke meditates and puts himself in the crane position, regaining a nominal amount of health back, which brings us to this swarm of poisonous snakes surrounding this titan of a defender, Pyth. There's still a bunch of snakes surrounding Pyth, and they make a bunch of attacks at him. Oh, it's more snake-on-snake snake violence. Please don't say snake-on-snake. Snake. It's horrible. We gotta stop this. I'm gonna have nightmares about this many snakes. <laughs> so, all of these snakes in their last stand try to attack Pyth, who, it really doesn't matter. Let's imagine they all hit. Would have taken easily over a hundred damage from this just complete onslaught of attacks, except for he is immune to every single point of it. Whew. He's the wicker man. That's it. Yeah. I was about to say, maybe a uh, pipe's line is bees. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was thinking the bees as well. <laughs> By the way, I just Googled the movie wicker man. It ends very badly. So all of these bites, whether they'd hit or not, this amazing, craftwork of armor it makes him just this dodging machine anything this paladin is flexing his abs and core 
strength abilities to just dodge all around these snakes and take no damage whatsoever. Uh, it's a complete marvel. Please stop. You're embarrassing yourself. Pyth, it is now your turn. What are you going to do? Uh, so I'm Pyth is going to use his uh, racial trait of uh, animal friendship. He can speak to snakes huh? <laughs> as the... <laughs> you gonna make buddies now after we killed like three quarters of them? They kicked Rourke's ass. <laughs> um, so... Yes, uh, Bada Bingsley, the ones on the right, Bada Bingsley hit all of them with some fire damage. Um, however, uh, the group on done. the left has taken no damage from your entire party. And all right, well, uh, technically, I guess I guess I can only one. use this on one of these groups. Um, since I feel like uh, possibly since you yourself hasn't damaged them. You can go ahead and bend the, bend the description of the spell to be able to affect all of them. Uh, their intelligence isn't higher than four, is it? It absolutely is not. Yeah. Uh, okay. So what I would like to do is I'd like to uh, talk to them. Let us know. Th- let them know that um, to stop their silliness. We love yes, you. That's it. You know snakes, and this is not their normal behavior. There's no reason they would do this. They they are being affected by uh, an outer source. You mean they normally don't get into piles? So you know that they, 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 if they had their way, they wouldn't necessarily no. be attacking you. You can totally become friends. Yeah, yeah, okay. Oh, lowly worms, you may stop your nonsensical attacks. I am the wicker man. I don't uh, mean you any more harm if you cease... Uh, this is all in friggin' snake language, so I'm like Harry Pottering the shit out of this. Yeah. What do they call that? Parcel tongue? No, this is that's well, this is more partial tongue. Like I partial. I don't have the the accent down, but it's, <laughs> uh, but they get you know they get the gist. So yeah, yes, cease biting on my uh, bulletproof abs. Fight the enchantment that uh, induces these attacks, and uh, we will leave you unharmed. Piss off, hail Shantaya. He's also going to give him his pitch on joining Amway. Have you ever wanted to be your own boss? It's not a pyramid scheme. I don't know what you're talking about. All I'm saying is that if you earn 30 rocks, I get 20 rocks. (laughs) (laughs) Trust in me. Pyth makes a petition using his innate animal friendship spell to try to convince these snakes that this fight does not need to continue. He goes for a peaceful resolution to this conflict, and he casts his animal friendship innately. The spell save DC will be a 12, which is relatively low, but the snakes aren't that wise. And the roll for the snakes is an 8. Now, normally, animal friendship can only affect one creature, but because these are a hive mind, they are all affected with the single roll and all of these snakes disperse into individuals and slither off into the areas from which they protruded. This conflict has now been resolved. You silver tongue snakey boy. Path, way to go. You ended that. You did it all without, you did it all with your silver tongue. Probably could have started with that move. That would have been good. Events unfolded so quickly that Pyth took his first opportunity to do so but he had to protect his friends first and foremost. And this 
group of adventurers that yesterday at best barely knew each other are quickly becoming fast friends, if not trusted companions. You know what? I like the, the corner that our internal monologue has turned in the last uh, two episodes. I have to say, I'm, I'm a big fan. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking about adding these guys on social media. I think, I, I think uh, these guys aren't just strangers anymore. What, what the the snakes or the uh, the internal monologue that we're all hearing? Oh, I've been following that pile of snakes on Instagram for years. Oh. No, I'm talking about you guys. <laughs> the, last year, that pile of snakes went into went, went to the Leaning Tower of Pisa, and then they had to, they were acting like they were holding up the building. It was it was a great. Oh, I've seen that picture. It went viral. <laughs> By the way, yes, it has been said that uh, Jesse's or that Bada Bingsley's saxophone. <laughs> no, it's my saxophone now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we've established that if he talks into it, it comes. It just comes out musically and wonderfully. Like he, when he said saxophone, does that mean any one of us could walk up to a saxophone? Does that mean that it? We think he's a great saxophone player, but this thing actually plays itself. You could always try to see what happens when you talk into it. It hasn't happened yet. Okay, I like that. You can pry this saxophone from my cold, dead Minotaur hands. <laughs> Whereas you may try sneaking a speak into the saxophone at a later time. Right now, y'all are left with a moment to deal with the aftermath of an intense battle. It's been an intense, time-shifted and plane-shunted 24 hours. You are all on the fast path to being badass. I think we should share our feelings. <laughs> I feel that Rourke is covered in snake blood. Do you validate my feelings? <laughs> I do. He's disgusting. He's also covered in a lot of his own blood. Mm. And he has uh, white feathers, so the blood really pops. <laughs> is he injured pretty badly? Can I heal him? I'm, I'm almost healed. He's barely injured. Yeah. He has uh, eight out of 11 total hit points, as well as some temporary hit points. Oh, okay. How you feeling there, Rourke? I thought uh, birds are supposed to be able to handle snakes, but uh look like they might have handled you for a little bit. Well, I tell you what, I didn't see you running up to this pile of snakes. And you know what they say, uh, chicks dig open wounds. So I think I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> chicks dig open wounds. <laughs> I've heard that. I have heard that so many times. Of course, he means baby Aarakocra. Yeah, tiny birds. <laughs> Chicks. <laughs> yeah, they love it. Yes. Uh, I'm glad I didn't get any wounds. I was flying up here. <laughs> well, I think we did pretty well. I've never been that effective. And I am 50. And this was my first time doing good in battles or uh, bounty hunting in general. You know, usually I give up quickly in exchange for some useless rocks. And... Uh, try to trade those in they're worthless i don't know why i haven't learned that but um this was a lot better you know well, who hasn't been there tell you what you were pretty good on that saxophone yeah yeah we should have been killed by a pit fiend a long time ago indeed yeah we i think we could beat that pit fiend now i tell you but uh Pyth is sort of like swinging his little hammer and like shifting his shield on his hand you know adjusting his helmet he's like does anybody else feel like they're wearing their dad's clothes though i mean i feel like these uh vestments are mighty these uh our equipment is massively enchanted but um 
I have to say, I feel like I am the least qualified person to ever wield such a mighty weapon. Have some faith in yourself, Pat. From what I've seen, you're quite an impressive individual. I think you might be selling yourself a little bit short there. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not trying to. I'm just... You didn't even get hurt. Let's, let's not start sucking our own dicks, is what I'm trying to say. I thought she was going to say that. I really did. Uh, you guys are exchanging all of this dialogue. Banta, banta, banta. Then over the same loudspeaker system, you heard Persepolis speak from before the fight. Uh, again, you hear them start to chime in, but this time there's like a crackle. There's like a... Welcome, welcome back, you heroes, you. Percy? Must be a bandwidth problem. <laughs> Demidog? That was weird. Oh dear. Did you hear that? Anybody else hear that? It sounded like he was having trouble communicating, but uh, I thought he was some all-powerful time dog. At this point, a trapdoor opens from the same place where the original batch of snakes arose. And from the platform this time instead is a average-sized corgi that looks a whole lot like Persepolis, although much smaller than last time you saw them. And they're in like a almost secretarial outfit. Oh, look at him and his little outfit. And strapped to their back is this contraption that's holding a bunch of tea. (laughs) But because the corgi wobbles so much when they walk, this contraption on their back has like gyroscopes and twisting (laughs) cradles that keep every... It's like a steady cam for each cup of tea is perfectly balanced <laughs> so that this corgi can walk up to you guys and delivers tea to you. Are we in a Terry Gilliam movie? Anybody else notice this thing? <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, look at him. Who can what is wearing? I did not think he could get any cuter. <laughs> is that a tiny little pencil behind there? Yeah, that's adorable. Keep him away from the snake. Get that snake out of your mouth, huh? mister. Get it out. Get it out. Get that snake. Nope. Drop it. That is Jaws. Drop it. It's wagging its tail and uh, drops it at your feet like it's uh, a reward. It's a good dog. That's a good dog. It's a good dog. <laughs> no, we got have to keep an eye on him. You know he's not allowed to have bones. Oh, sorry, sorry. In this reduced form, I am uh, a little bit more, um, you know, adorable. Yes, you are. You're a little bit. You're a little bit of a slice of heaven, is what you are. Oh. I'm a little bit more apt to go to my animalistic instincts in this lesser form. <laughs> this is just one of my minimal avatars. I know you're licking yourself right now. I could tell you have a little bit less control when you're small. I scratch him behind the ears. And this contraption on its back uh, that I mentioned uh, is like this crazy steady cam contraption. You all have teacups of tea being suspended on the back of this wiggling pooch coming up at you, and as it approaches, the the arms of the individual teacups extend out to you and offer you a post-battle tea. Oh, this is fantastic. Thank you. Yes. What kind, is, what kind of tea is this? We got oolong? What do we got? We got sleepy time? Every humanoid's tea that they receive is their own favorite tea. <laughs> I'm gonna have that gamma mile. Oh! <laughs> Gatorade tea, thank you. <laughs> Riptide rush. We had choice, we had choice, but we uh, we oblige here. Jasmine. I, uh, I pet the dog. I, I pet the dog and say, it's beautiful. What is that, velvet? <laughs> uh, it's back leg, thumps on the ground in the cutest way. 
It loves this attention. It was crazy. You were licking yourself and the tea didn't spill. It was a divine powers. And, and I just I just dispelled six giant snake knots. And that was much more impressive. <laughs> Here's the situation. I'm sure you've noticed by now for being a demigod of time. I am uh, maybe not as powerful as you'd expect. That's because I'm expending my resources to combat a time crisis. Oh, dear. Dramatic music. Oh, so you're saying we're going to be attacked by one of the best arcade shooters to ever grace the... <laughs> 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 that took me a oh second. Oh, my God. <laughs> took me forever. The reason why uh, you felt like there's been a rush on your time to, to level up and whatnot, if you will is because, well, when entities achieve power over time, which I am supposed to stop, it takes all of my energy, and I can't quite do everything that I'm normally able to do because I'm combating uh, an entity that shouldn't have control over time having control over it. Some of it's innocent, like in this case. Um, come with me to the briefing room. Okay, can I offer him some tea? Like, would you like me to pour you a little bit of tea in the smaller, like a little bowl here for you to lap lap up with us while we're all having tea together? As you suggest that, a trough pops out from under their belly and is ready for a tea donation. Oh, belly trough. I think this is Rube Goldberg's dog. <laughs> and he graciously accepts and laps up the tea happily and says, uh, Okay, right this way, fellows. All right, we follow. I will follow. As you travel, following Persepolis, with every step or flap of the wings forward, you are shunted forward in time, making the journey very quick. However, it is not instant. What must have been miles worth of journey through Percy's palace happens in mere moments, and time returns to normal as you enter a grand room with a very, very large table in the middle, surrounded with individual different Persepolis dogs. Whoa. Okay. Persepoli. Oh my goodness, this is so... Do we each get one of you? Oh, a petting zoo, how about that? They all turn their head. Um, in the middle of the table is a larger Persepolis, what you would imagine to be the, like, core Persepolis. And Wait, quick question. Um, how many snakes big is this Persepolis? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you asshole. How many rocks would you think it's worth this many dogs? <laughs> it's like... A thousand snakes big dog. Oh, wow. It's a thousand snake Persepolis. Now, are these Persepolis' rescues, or are they from a farm? (laughs) (laughs) Who rescued who, right? (laughs) Oh, they rescued me. Who let all of them out, though? I'm I'm kind of... That's one thing I'm curious about. God damn it. Who released the dogs? As you come into this room, all of these Persepoli turn their attention upon you and say... Oh, welcome, 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 welcome. Okay, it's way less cute when it comes from a thousand of them. All these different Persepolis are individually welcoming you. And then there's a, like, chorus of welcome, where they all speak at once. Hola. Anybody else find this a little disconcerting? Mm, Yes, this is weird. Uh, uh, Nice to see you all, you dogs. You all sound the same. That's weird. Uh... (laughs) Can we have What's, a canon that there's a variety of different dogs? Like, well, there's one in a sombrero that says hola, one in a kimono that says... Komichiwa? Oh, absolutely. This this is a, like, summit meeting of 
Persepolis. This is every... Clearly casual Friday. Yeah. Every demographic is somehow represented, even though they're all Corgi Dog people. Uh, somehow. It, it makes sense. How representative. Don't, don't challenge me as to how. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, we gotta come clean with you. We've got a situation at hand, and you guys are doing great at, you know, increasing in power, but we are going to need you shortly. I'd say, you know, maybe you got a few days, possibly a week of training in your time before. We'll need you to stop. Collaborate and listen. The Cybjork Invasion. Cybjork Invasion? Yes. So would you say we got like six or seven snakes worth of time to get this done? I don't know if we can increase our power level by that many snakes in that amount of time. Listen, time is rocks. Exactly. <laughs> Sticks to rocks. We're not going to make it. We're, we're working on some alternative projects to if you don't fully, uh, you know, get to your power capability necessary, we'll uh, find ways to improve it temporarily. But uh, this is a serious thing. Here's the deal. And then one of the Persepoli uh, stands up, one of the lesser ones, and says, So according to our data that we've been achieving, um, we see that there's a mass of hive mind orc cyborgs. Cyborgs. I got it. Assimilating all consciousnesses in several different timelines. This massive hive of consciousness is becoming such a mass that is it is influencing time because of the space-time ratios wait 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 let me get this straight they're cyborgs and they're borgs and they're bjorks and they're orcs and they're orcs yes yeah you know from some series that you may be aware of where uh several there's this species of hive mind individuals that assimilate people yes and uh resistance is like futile they actually say your persistence is fruitless <laughs> yeah right i remember that yeah okay so they're uh well they're also icelandic yeah and they're all orcs um whatever species you may be beforehand through the process of being assimilated you become Orc female Bjorks. <laughs> so, uh, quick question, real quick about this mission. We don't gotta wear red t shirts or nothing for this, do we? Do we have to listen to Bjork music? So, that's the thing. Um, you will be subject to the music of Bjork. A whole ton of Bjork. And they're orcs, nevertheless. They're, don't get me wrong, this isn't like you, a certain universe's Bjork. This is a strange amalgamation of concepts that has taken seed in the imagination of a strange being and amplified into a certain universe, and then it has been taking over certain timelines and futures and pasts. It's reaching a critical mass, and I need some help. That's why you're here. So you want us to stop Bjork? I'm coming clean. I need you to stop this. How do we do that? How do we stop Bjork? What's our first step here? 
We're gonna be able to do that with can can we can I borrow these winged shoes? Oh yes, yes. Still, your your equipment will definitely be used, if not upgraded, by the time you're facing her. Don't worry about that. You know, Bjork's uh, Bjork's actually pretty tough. Even if we take away her backup band, she's still mm. gonna keep going. Yes. She's redefining what I think music is. Mm. I'm open-minded. I'm, I'm willing to listen. Imagine Bjork, except for she is her own backup band. She is everything. So we can't just surround her with sugar cubes and uh, <laughs> let her fade into obsolescence. Oh, no. What you've been saying is that in some dimensions it's oh so quiet, but in others it's freaking crazy like Venus is a boy. Did you just Google a bunch of Bjork stuff? I don't know what you're okay. talking about. I am Pyth, <laughs> the Huanti Paladin, chosen of Frontier, and I Google. I <laughs> yes. Uh, boy, I tell you what. Uh, you know, I, I I'm healed up pretty well from that battle, but these deep cuts are getting to me. Oh god! You could go to the tube works with the Turbo Hamsters right now, and you could tubal anything about this Cybjork, and every rest reference would ring true in some way. Tubal. Mm. I like it. <laughs> That's how powerful this entity is becoming. Wonderful. Show us to this tubal. We, we will assemble immediately. W- what could somebody like us have to do? How could we defeat some sort of uh, or- orcish techno virus that increases upper body strength upon infection? I, we're just a sexy rogue, a short minotaur, a bird man, and a snake man. Hey, listen. Um, as much as my powers aren't showing right now, with a lot of my remaining reserves, I've selected you because you're perfect for the job. I don't have time to explain everything because of the impending crisis. I'm limited, but if you trust me, you will be ready for this fight when it comes time. You know what? You saved us from the pit fiend. You gave me this beautiful saxophone. I, I'm with you. I believe you. I believe in you. Let's do this. What do you need? I could never not trust something as cute as you. Get over here. <laughs> oh, shucks. Oh, boy. Oh, that's the spot. That's the spot. That's the spot. I know. That's fans. As a okay. certain thick dragonborn said to me not long ago, don't underestimate yourself. <laughs> no, we'll definitely estimate ourselves this time. Yes. So uh, let's go to this tubal, and if you have any more of those turbo hamsters, I I wouldn't mind a snack <coughs> on the way. Hey, listen, you can have some other hamsters, but not the turbo ones. They're very special, very special. Do not try to eat them. Yes, yes, yes. They like to go fast. Do, Do not <laughs> try to eat them. If you anger them, we'll have some trouble. Please don't. Don't anger the gerbils. Got it. Okay. They just go through the tubes and collect rings, I understand. I'll see if I can get you one, Pike. <laughs> you knew about the side game. Amazing. Yeah. Your empathic abilities to understand this universe that you now find yourself in are amazing. I'm much smarter than my other character. Maybe that's Pythe's in-game material. He's At the end of this campaign, he finally gets to eat one of those gerbils. We'll find <laughs> out. Uh, Pythe's Path, is that's what it's going to be. Pythe's Path. The Pythagorean Theorem? Used for calculating hamster pies. <laughs> now, to be clear... Uh, you have some time, and part of what's going to make you achieve your goals is um, some reflection time. I've just put on a little bit of clock for you guys. I had to come clean. You, you didn't seem to understand that there was some time uh, troubles at hand. 
you, you were questioning why I was rushing things, and I had to explain it to you, but now, now you got some time to chill, reflect, see how you want to grow, you know? Um, yeah, yeah, there is a time crunch, but, uh, hey, you guys have been doing great. It's time for you guys to relax a little bit. <laughs> Uh, Pyth puts up a hand and uh, talks to his fellows. I'm pretty sure that the first Persepolis was just all these Persepoli, but in a much bigger dog trench coat. <laughs> I'm sure you're right. Hey guys, are we uh, are we supposed to be doing a shot every time it says time? I'm falling behind in this drinking game. <laughs> I think so. That <laughs> I pull out my water skin. I drink poison. <laughs> <laughs> Um, great. Do you think we could get, like, a long rest, and then maybe, uh, we'll, we'll get back right to it? Oh! I need to recover some, uh, slots. Absolutely. So, here's what I have planned for you. You can take your rests, you can relax in whatever spas or meditation retreats you need. As you, you know, from the, uh, hotel, if you will. You can enter any door, and it's wherever you need to chill and reflect and consider how you want to grow. I had a good schwitz. Did anybody have something better than that, by the way, last time? What did you guys do? Did you get a massage? What was your thing? Uh, last time, Kara just went and tried on her bathing suits with her new body. Oh, and got a massage. I sunned myself on a rock. <laughs> Is that what you did? And what did you do, Dave? No, I just I sat in like a Spartan <laughs> cell and like meditated. But he says he sunned himself on a rock. You know, because I'm a snake. Okay. And Dave, what did you do? I think I just had some drinks. <sighs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, you went to the bar. Uh, I haven't uh, been to the gym in a bit, but I just recently got a... Felt like I merged with a bunch of different versions of myself. Uh, uh, versions of myself that maybe have existed or maybe have yet to exist or maybe don't even exist on this timeline. It was kind of hard to tell. I... I think I'm going to just get into the gym, into the old roguish gym that I haven't been into. I'm going to try to explore some of these memories. Wow, straight from the battle to the gym, too. Sounds like somebody got into some weed, too. I promise you, I swear to you, I, I'm not high. Kara, uh, when you say that, all of the Persepoli just swirl together into um, the same form for a second. Uh, much more reminiscent of the one you first met. Holy shit. And it gives you like this... Wicca, save me! ...side eye of concern and questioning and kind of shakes it off and returns to the multi-Persepoli form that it was just in. Hey, uh, per Mr. Corgis, Mr. Persepoli, what the hell just happened? Oh, yeah, what was that? What was just... Oh, yeah, just uh, forget about that. Uh... Something came to my attention that I wasn't quite aware of. Uh, no time to consider it now. We'll just have to march ahead, and uh, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. Persepol this isn't Persepolis's true form. It would blind us. It Persepolis has to consistently give itself makeovers. Uh, if you had more of a, a, a background <laughs> in theology, you would know this. It's called Queer Eye for the Persepolis. It has to give, you, give itself constant, and otherwise it. it would blind us in our inner eye and we would be driven mad. Is that what those five <laughs> humans who are grooming you and making over your living space, is that uh, what they're doing Five right glamorous demigods, if that's what you mean, yes. Oh, they look fabulous. Well, they are, uh, they are celestials, after all. And not only that, I just feel good just watching them. Like, they make me feel good. That's the positive energy that they uh, inspire in us all. Hail Shantae. 
Hey guys, can you want to do a makeover tonight? I was going to go train, but if I get you guys to make me over, I'd rather do that. <laughs> I think I've I, I I think I put on too much oil while we was in that battle, and I need to I need to wash off. Maybe take a hot tub. Maybe take a no such thing. What you can just do is just find yourself a bit ask Persepolis for a giant bowl of lettuce and just roll around in it, and then you can add some vinegar. As as you're speaking with each other, uh, as this dialogue goes Fantastic on, Fantastic dialogue. <laughs> you you do notice that. Uh, for you're unsure how long now you are back in the lobby of the hotel as you're exchanging these lines and Persepolis is nowhere to be seen. Hmm. Oh, what was in that tea that we drank? <laughs> uh, we just got ghosted. <laughs> Do I see that Minotaur bellhop that uh, Bada Bingsley was talking to uh, an episode or two back? Uh, yes, the very large Minotaur bellhop that would probably be seen as a hero in any small town is is, is but a freak in the sheets <laughs> you don't know that <laughs> uh but you do know that you see him walking away from your group pushing a cart full of hors d'oeuvres excuse me mr tall minotaur mr tall statuesque minotaur mr wonderful example of what your species is oh let me get some of those hors d'oeuvres look how tall he is is that how big they get yes i want one of them little tiny cocktail weenies as soon as you grab his attention suddenly as if still walking in the same direction as he was suddenly he's walking up to you guys and he looks back and forth a little disoriented and says oh uh yeah Sorry, I'm here for all of your needs. Oh, calm boy. down, calm down, sir. You sound like you were about to shoot a brick. Yes. <laughs> yeah, just relax and give me some of those old darts. He's starting to like hyperventilate and get a little uh, like weak in the knuckles. Yeah, deep breaths, deep breaths. Am I showing too much cleavage? <laughs> Is this too much for you? No, uh, Kara, I don't swing that way actually, but. Um, we can test that. We're very attractive, and I appreciate your... Uh, oh, boy. But anyways... Well, he has eyes. You guys are just like my total heroes, and it makes me nervous to be around you guys. Well, that's what I wanted. You, you've been... Uh, now, you you look like a heroic individual, but you've been you've been acting like a little fanboy around us. Mind telling us what that's all about? Uh, I, I'm not allowed to say. Uh, can I do a charm persuasion check? Absolutely. Let me hear it. Can I do a help action and play some sexy sax music quietly behind this while this is going on? Uh, please. I want to be playing Smooth Operator by uh, Sade in the background. Beautiful call. Oh, I'm sure you can make an exception <laughs> for a little old Kara. Didn't you say that he was your hero? Swing this way or not. I think that if you did admire old Kara and the gang that much, maybe you wouldn't want to tell us no, right? Okay, uh, go ahead and roll this persuasion check at advantage, Kara. Uh, Kara rolled a 26 mm. on that persuasion check. I always get the information I want. Caradactyl imbued with the power of her hairpin and the confidence of her old new self. Flashes the Minotaur. <laughs> <laughs> While he says he's not inclined in that way, he is nevertheless still swayed by her utter beauty and is in fact charmed by her uh, that's the wrong word because that's a spell uh, 
he is in fact persuaded to open up a little bit. Instead of his sheepish response that was nearly causing him to stutter and fumble over himself. Well, you see... That's better. I must admit that as employees to help accommodate your stay, we're privy to information of your futures. And from what I know, I just nearly weep at being in your service. It is my great pleasure. So what you're saying is we're going to do something very heroic? Like save you or invent a recipe for better fried chicken or something? Or or sacrifice ourselves very <laughs> heroically. Right? Is your name Chud? I keep thinking about this name Chud. Is your name... Well, keep chewing on it. <laughs> Please, my liege. Please do not press me further for information. I am bound not to say, but in time... Take a shot. We may be able to discuss details further. Please press no more. One more question. One more question. <laughs> what hors d'oeuvres do you have there? When you ask that question, he lifts the lid off of the hors d'oeuvre tray. And as with what we are familiar with, every one of you has your perfect hors d'oeuvre in triplicate available to you. Mm. I was going to say that brie, that soft brie cheese. <laughs> you know, with some... some High-end crackers, like from Trader Joe's or some shit. Mozzarella sticks. Yeah, that's what I meant. Cocaine. <laughs> Giant cocaine, no less. Big, big rocks. Yes. <laughs> Matzah sticks laced in cocaine for caradactyl with a straw to boot. Oh, and you have the straw here too. Oh, you guys are just thought of everything. <laughs> We got some broiled brie sticks for Bada Bingsley with whatever topping he wants. Oh yeah, one of those baked, the, the baked brie. I'm pretty sure there's hamster souffles for a certain someone. Mm. <laughs> Am I saving a line for anybody? What about you, holy boy? You want one? Pass. You party? No, no. My my body is a temple. I will simply eat. More for Kara. I'll just eat a eat a uh, like a frog, perhaps. I have another cup of delicious jasmine tea. I was just gonna drink some water and eat saltines. Work's snack is a, a pile of bugles, and he puts them all on his fingertips. <laughs> oh, that looks fun. That's just fun. Work puts bugles on each of his fingertips, and then each of his feather tips of his wings as well, and then eats them all off. And his symbiotic whip also ex uh, extracts from his wrist and has another bugle on it, and he eats that off the whip as well. Yikes. <laughs> By the way, Mr. Minotaur, what's your name? Wow, you do me great honor to ask me my moniker. My name, my lieges, is Waltrip. It's a good name, Waltrip. Walt Waltrip the Min Minotaur. <laughs> Some of my friends call me Macrotar. <laughs> I'm pretty big. I uh, grab his huge <laughs> triceps. You look like a mighty one. How did you get here? She's very handsy. Well, um, as you know... Persepolis requests the assistance of many a potential heroes, and, well, be it my shame, I'm not quite up to snuff. While very competent, <laughs> I'm nothing compared to you guys. You keep saying that. Uh, I have a question for you, and, and this is just... Just wait, you guys. I'm so excited for you guys to find out how badass you're going to be. I'm such a big fan. I love his enthusiasm. You remind me of that kid in The Matrix when uh, Neo first goes in. And he's like, 
I'm just so excited about uh, uh and he's like the first guy to die. <laughs> so are you really tall for your species or is Botteril is small for his species? You know, please, ma'am. That's kind of a rude question to ask. I'm sorry. I am I am average height. Look, uh, look how tall I am now. I fly up about six feet in the air. Who's taller, huh? <laughs> it's still him. Please don't judge. He's still tall. Please don't judge Master Bada by his physical stature, ma'am. Don't don't slight him like that. Mm. All right. You're a good kid. No, I wasn't mad slight. I we just don't know much about. I didn't know if you were just like some monstrous example of your species, and he was average, if you were like the Shaquille O'Neal of Minotaur. Bada, if you don't mind me uh, explaining for this ignorant Asimar. Uh, no, no, go ahead. I, you listen, <laughs> this is the racism we have to face. What's next? Do you want to touch? Do you want to touch our hair? Oh my god, go ahead. If you must ask, to clear things up, Bada is absolutely the smallest adult Minotaur I've ever heard of. And I am actually also at the large end of the scale of how big we can be, but... Okay, well now I know. I've learned a little something about minotaurs. <laughs> a little something. That's pretty funny. But seriously, Bada Bingsley has strength and potential that far exceeds my might, and he's a straight-up inspiration to me. You will beat me in a game of one-on-one -on -one basketball any day of the week, and I accept that. But, uh... <laughs> not with those flying boots. Yes, but you need not have hero worship. We're just, uh, we're just regular Joes. Just doing a job. Cogs in the wheel, you know? They're so cool, those flying so, boots. Uh, listen, we should, uh, we should talk later. We gotta go. I gotta... Give me some more of them, uh, snacks. I'll take another baked brie. And, uh, give me some, uh, little mini croissants. And I'll do another line. <laughs> <laughs> snacks. Why did it have to be snacks? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's the line of the game right there. Perfect. Between that one and your Samuel L. Jackson joke. Killer. I, I, I average like one good one. Killer. It's all you need. One crusher is better than a hundred flops. <laughs> Ouch. I'm right here. And Waltrip, before you go, I'm shouting out to him after he leaves. Later on tonight, bring me a couple baggies of those hors d'oeuvres I just had, <laughs> wink, wink. <laughs> when you do these lines, if you will, off these materialistics, <laughs> um, each time you do one, you get like a little flash of other memories flooding into you. This is starting to sound like a TGI Fridays commercial. <laughs> oh my God, guys. You guys have to try these drugs. <laughs> <laughs> I am blasting off. It's just that, that's that memory cocaine. <laughs> not for you guys, it's not. The guy in Memento should have just done coke. <laughs> I think he did. That's where he came up with the story. Yeah. You have all had your hors d'oeuvres and your momentary conversation with Waltrip. He rolls his cart away, and we're going to start with Rourke, you just finished an epic battle. You... I'm going to Disneyland. Is that what you're going to ask me? <laughs> yeah. You just finished an epic battle and you took a whole bunch of attacks and were popped up by your courageous friends. You feel as though you've just had a surge of information and have so many ideas about how to improve your battle tactics in the future. And... You feel tuned into the equipment that you're using and 
you, you're inspired to go meditate on your experiences, where do you go? Uh, I assume we're all going back to our rooms, right? And so you just want to know what my room looks like, or? Well, so yeah, you again, in this uh, hotel setting, you can open up any of the doors anywhere near you, go through that door, and it's the location and environment that you need to experience the experience that you want to have. It's a magic hotel. <laughs> it's Hotel California. <laughs> all right, so... Um, I'm go- the I open the door and it looks like a nice feel like the Everglades in Florida, like where you'd see a stork hang out, kind of marsh, swampy a little bit. But then out in the center, <laughs> uh, like on a giant pole, is a big bird cage that's draped. It's, you know how owners keep the bird cage covered so they're not disturbed. So mm-hmm. in the middle of this beautiful lush field, I go into this bird cage that's been covered uh, with this giant sheet, and I just meditate in there. Okay, um, as you're meditating, um, you're holding your equipment that you have your special stone of teleportation you're throwing up and down in one of your hands and your symbiotic tendril whip is kind of extending and fluttering around in the air in your other hand as you're in this zone as you're in this zen state or it still creeps the hell out of me you know meditating and you try to ignore this to, to stay focused on your stuff. And as you toss up your stone, uh, suddenly the whip lashes out and grabs the stone and sucks it into your wrist. Yikes. Okay. So the whip realizes that rocks are money <laughs> <laughs> and grabbed it. You're kind of left wondering like, oh, crap, my teleportation stone. I wonder if I can still use it. Oh, boy. I hope that's not a problem later. I might need to use that thing. As soon as you have that thought, the... Whip lashes out and a doorway opens up as your portal ability is used at will. That's the kind of whip I'm talking about. I like this. So mechanically, this will play out with your ability to use your movement instead of a bonus action in order to activate the stone at will. So if you sacrifice some movement to activate the stone you can still have your action and bonus action available for your turn. Nice. Like it. Thank you. Damn, you're like friggin' Nightcrawl over here. And we leave Rourke um, at will just popping left and right in his swamp-like environment. Popping and locking, by the way. Popping and Mm. locking on his way, teleporting all over this map and practicing his fighter ways. Bamfing. And we arrive upon Pyth. Um, how are you meditating? What are you doing? Are you doing anything with your armor? What's what's your situation? Um, I would probably remove my armor, place it upon its sort of like panoply stand, uh, hang my uh, holy symbol around it, uh, genuflect, and you know use it in my little rocky cell. To, uh, as the source of uh, meditation, uh, you know, place my hammer. Yeah, I just basically uh, squire myself down to just like my tunic or whatever, uh, and uh, try and reach some point where I can have uh, inner guidance. Um, this is a lot to take in for what seems to be a very short period of time for Pyth. So, but he's got some very able and earnest friends who are seemingly in the same boat. So he's hoping that he can. You know, he doesn't think of himself as like a leader or anything like that, but he, he knows that he thinks of himself more like an, I guess, like an anchor. Uh, he wants to see if he can find some way to, uh, you know, if, if everybody sort of like 
jumps and teleports and flies all over the joint, then he can uh, find some sort of uh, spiritual uh, rock to uh, to sort of get everybody to gravitate to. Some sort of insight. I don't know. We're we're not able to see any outward reflection of this, but Pyth has a boner. Meditates. We're not able to see any outward representation of this, but Pyth meditates on becoming the rock of this party and just focuses on being this resistant, protective shield for all of his newfound companions on their journey together. And yeah, and then he has uh, some tea. (laughs) And after his meditation... Pyth tucks down in his bed with a lovely glass. What is it, a mug? I don't know. <laughs> teacup of tea. Yum. A lovely teacup of tea. And we find ourselves exploring how Bada Bingsley is bedding down for the night. So I can go through a door, it'll take me anywhere, basically? All right, so... Uh, Absolutely. You know, I put on so much suntan lotion while I was flying around. I want to just take a little... Lay down, lay out in the sun, and I go through the door and uh, go out through the portal into like a beautiful uh, beach scene, like the Bahamas or somewhere, where I've got a little cabana and uh, just kind of lay out on a towel and soak in the rays on my greased up minotaur body, and then maybe take a quick swim in the beautiful ocean and then sleep in the uh, in the hammock in the old uh, bungalow there. Bada Bingsley relaxes, takes some sun, takes a swim, and settles himself down. As he starts to drift off at night, some echoes of conversations swirl into his mind, and he hears talk of how small he is from Kara's mouth, and he goes back in his memories of times where he was mocked and mimicked and chided for being the smallest of his clan and it starts to well up into feelings of insignificance and his self-doubts start to whelm him but he's able to focus on the kind words of Waltrip expressing how he's so much more and he's imbued with this strength realizing that though small he is mighty this tiny minotaur struggles at first upon sleep and i'm tossing i'm turning i'm like ah no nah it's not it's not the size of the boat it's emotion of the ocean oh what that's what no wall trip help me wall trip (laughs) and then i wake up upon awakening briefly he is filled with a final feeling of self-esteem and accomplishment and he's able to drift back to sleep peacefully this time uh, wall trip. <laughs> and now, Caradactyl, explain uh, how ca- you feel and where do you go? Kara gets to a room and then she kind of figures how this place works and she goes, huh, if I, if they'll bring me something if they know I wanted it. It's like they know from the future. Let, let's test this. And she thinks real hard and after a couple minutes or after a couple seconds, Almost as if it was planned beforehand. Waltrip comes up and he brings a few of those bags that he was going to bring by later. Uh Uh-huh. And she goes, why, thank you, Waltrip. You are just a lifesaver. And she opens up the door 
and it's bathroom and it sounds like there's like a, a steampunk heavy metal show or punk show going on in the background and uh, I'm in the bathroom of the local venue. I line up the lines. I'm like, all right, let's find some more out about my past. And so she spins. Uh, there are people banging on the door. They want to get That's into the bathroom. That's what you call it. That's what you call doing coke. Let's find out more about my past. I'm, if Fran gave me the same ability to connect with other past lives, I'd do that, probably. But, I mean, it's not my fault that it's happening <laughs> in a much more awesome way. Cocaine is my guy. And so, uh, <laughs> and so she's uh, she's finding out about her past and all these timelines and doing lines like, oh my god, why did I drop out of wizard school? I never should have dropped out of wizard school. I would have been such a great wizard. You know what we should do? Start a wizard restaurant. <laughs> and uh, and with all now she's going to tell us all she's addicted to memories. <laughs> Waltrip uh, is hanging out with you uh, like a uh, gay bestie and just these lines on this these cheese sticks and then uh, you eventually change your preferred you change your preferred plate if you will to be served on and then you've got lobster rolls that you're doing <laughs> off of all kinds of different things um, Walter, do you think we didn't beat that pit team because we just didn't like commit to it we shouldn't like go for it you know maybe maybe it, it, it was in our mind maybe maybe we just we just you know there are mental blocks you thought about that Walter? did you did you did you <laughs> and and he's just like you go girl oh my gosh you get it I don't know what is going on, but I love this. You are getting in touch with yourself. I love seeing this. Oh my gosh. I can't believe I get to be here for this. This is so incredible. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm just waiting for my turn to talk again. Okay, let's just... Somebody's not getting much sleep tonight. Kara, you party and party and party, and then go ahead... I'm out of memories. And then your heart explodes. (laughs) <laughs> so go ahead and check out the, you should find that you have a new ability from leveling up about not needing sleep oh uh adv- revive nature you know it's weird ever since doing all this uh, memory cocaine I, I don't feel the need to eat drink or even breathe have I not been breathing this whole time you realize that while you've been motor mouth talking you have not stopped to take a single breath in you are just continuously speaking and do not need to breathe in order to do so. Walter, Walter, am I a zombie? This is zombie cocaine. Oh my God, Walter, Walter, what happened? Oh, Walter, am I dead? Am I dead, Walter? I don't need to sleep. I don't need to eat. I don't need to, to, to do anything. Oh my God, Walter. And we fade off as Carodactyl is having crazy flashes of pasts and futures and is getting in touch with her true nature in the strangest way possible <laughs> and all of our adventurers are on their own journey to level up thank you so much awful neutralities you are our favorite awful fans thank you so much we have jesse egan where can people find you uh you can find me at jesse egan comedy on all social media and uh, thanks a lot, Clint. That was super fun, man. Really enjoyed that. Thank you so much. Yeah, I like this team setup. Pyth, also known as Caleb Cleveland. Where can people find you? Uh, you can find me at uh, Caleb is Drawing and all your friendly neighborhood social medias. And uh, yeah, that was fantastic, Clint. I really loved that. I failed to bore you. Oh, well. Dave Callens, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Twitter at Sharkodile. And you can also, I, I help run the, uh, the the awful Twitter page and the Patreon, so you can send messages there, too, and I'll get back to you. That's it's at awful D&D, right? It is. Fantastic. 
Thank you so much, all of you. And we also have Damien Mercado. I'll say it again. Workhorse of Awful Neutral Podcast. Where can people find you? That's right. I work for carrots, like any workhorse. <laughs> um, you can find me on Science Faction. It's a comedy science podcast. If you're looking to sound smarter than you actually are, go ahead and listen to our podcast. We get scientists on every week to help break shit down. Uh, we've been doing a lot of coronavirus episodes that have been very informative. I uh, highly recommend checking those out. And you can get in touch with me or Dave at Awful D&D. And if you can, if you're a fan of the show, please recommend us to a friend. Fastest way the Awful Neutral Fire spreads is through word of mouth. So force us on your friends, family members, co-workers. Green eggs and ham us. Nice. Yes, yes, please. If you love Awful Neutral the way we love producing it for you, please help us by liking our podcast recommending it to friends, spreading the word, spread that fire. Uh, now that we have Patreon going, the more money that gets fueled into there, the more we can up our production value, uh, increase our storylines, and keep delivering fantastic content for all of your wonderful affiliate ears. I have been your Dungeon Master for this episode it is my great pleasure. Thank you so much, everyone. My name is Clint Beischer, and you can find me on social media at that, at Clint Beischer. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next time. Hey, by the way, uh, on this episode, we want to give a special shout-out to Christopher Waltrip. He is one of our great, uh, wonderful supporters on Patreon. So thank you so much, uh, Chris. And uh, if anybody else wants to be a character on the show uh, make sure to check us out on our patreon and subscribe to that all right we'll see you next time everybody later nerds thank you thanks dudes later Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Kevin, and this is shout-out number five. A little bit of Rick Turpin in my life. A little bit of Jessica Oudbeer by my side. A little bit of Rebecca Throop is all I need. A little bit of Christopher Skelton is what I see. A little bit of Nastasi Egrain in the sun. A little bit of Lindsay Taylor all night long. A little bit of Lynette DeBell, here I am. A little bit of Matthew R makes me your man. Excuse me, I'm sorry, what? My producer, Christopher Waltrip, is handing me a notice. It appears to be from the law firm of Baker and Escobedo. It's a cease and desist, claiming I'm in copyright violation. No matter, my own attorneys, torso full of bees and malleus varmintum will handle this. This is not over. Hey everybody, this is Friedrich, Sergeant of Arms at the Citadel. It's lonely work, if you're like me, you're looking for love. 
You never know when or where you'll meet the one. For me, it was a weird day. I had just been possessed by an evil blue energy that compelled me to attack the man I was charged with protecting. Just then I saw an angel on an airship burst through the roof and into my heart. Malison Kill, you're my lady. If you're looking to make a love connection, I recommend Awful Neutral. For the low, low price of a five-star review on iTunes, we guarantee love. High five! Ah, oh, you miss me. You owe me five.